What's up all you motorcycle enthusiasts, D-Woods, and welcome back to another mile post of the V-Twin Life, where we talk motorcycles, powered by those V-Twins, what feels a passion, why we enjoy them so much. V-Twin Life is brought to you by the Northwest brand, Crash Inc. Clothing. You can find them on the World Wide Web at CrashInClothing.com and on Instagram at Crash underscore Inc. Hey, don't forget, it's Christmas time, holidays, maybe you want to get yourself some Crash gear, loved ones, whatever it may be. Don't forget that promo code that you'll find here in the V-Twin Life, Crash1, save you a few dollars at checkout. Just our little way of saying thanks for tuning in and supporting the podcast. We're also brought to you by Wild Ass Seats. You want more comfort for your ass on those long rides, whether short cruise or long ride? Hey, Wild Ass is going to give you that extra comfort without breaking the bank for a cost of a new seat. You can find them on the World Wide Web at wild-ass.com and on Instagram at the real Wild Ass. Don't forget, hey, you guys need a new windshield? Long Ride Shields did hook us up with that promo code, the V-Twin Life 15. We'll save you 15% off at checkout anything. Long Ride Sales, so check them out. LongRideShields.com. Now let's twist throttle and get into mile post 45 with one-fifth of the five dirty bikers. We got Kid Moto 22. We had a good time. Actually got to catch up with him on a youtube live and we've been touching base and we're talking about doing a podcast we did hook up and you know kid did share some great stories you know his road king why he enjoys bikes and was a good time so hey let's trust the throttle and get into mile post 45 with kid moto 22 well shoot man thanks for uh you know taking time out of your time and coming on the beach one life and doing a little episode and talking some motorcycles absolutely man it's one of my favorite things in the world i know we touched base god i think it was months ago i was kind of i think that was before i took my little hiatus and had to took a little time off for the summer for all my you know family stuff with my son's final season uh baseball and we just kind of focused on that for the summer and that was our priority good for you man yeah so where did the where did motorcycles come into life for you when did you you know get the bug yeah, well, um, that's it's kind of I don't I don't I wouldn't call it a long story. Uh, my my mom's um, second husband is kind of the person that introduced me to motorcycles, and so uh, one of the first bikes I was ever on was an '85 FXRT. Um, was uh, was one of the first bikes that I was ever on as a passenger, and that was um, he got that bike um, brand new had a custom painted and we had a sidecar and we traveled around, um, as a family in Southern California. And, um, so that's where, um, kind of motorcycling and Harley's kind of first entered my life. I was, I suppose probably, um, I don't know, maybe eight years old, seven or eight years old. The first time I was on the back of a bike and, um, um, did that, you know, as a passenger, for a long time. And then motorcycling was really out of my life um, from that point until um, I would say in my <clears throat> mid 30s is uh, before or when I kind of bought my own bike and got back on um, riding. I got a Kawasaki. Um, it was a Vulcan 800 was the first bike that I got. And I kind of it sounds weird, but I kind of felt like I had to earn, I kind of had to earn the Harley is kind of how I felt a little bit. Um, I, you know, Harleys are what I knew when I was a kid, but when I started riding, um, I just, I didn't feel like I was kind of ready for, um, that, that, I don't know, the next step I wanted to start in something a little bit smaller. And, uh, um, I found a really good deal on a brand new, uh, Vulcan 800. And it kind of had the styling. It was a cruiser-style bike. Um, had the styling and everything that I was looking for. And so I got that, did a couple things to it, put bar risers on it, a Vance & Heinz exhaust, and had it tuned. And was a was a good little bike for a while. And I had that for about five or six years. What and, year was it? Uh, 2000. It was the same year that the Anniversary Edition Harleys came out with the uh, was it 2005, 2004, 2005, or 2003? I don't. What was the What was the anniversary? Did the 105 anniversary was it? Oh, the 105 was 2003. Was, 2000? was the 100th anniversary? Okay, no. So was that? It was the 100th anniversary bikes, is what it was. So it was 03. So that was similar because I had a 
my first cruiser when I left the you know sport bikes where I was gonna deem to hurt myself, I went to the uh, I picked up a Boulevard C50. It was okay. O, I think it was an 05 or an 06, and you know very similar to the Vulcan. And yeah, it was it was a great comfortable bike, kind of you know same thing you did. I I went to the beach bars on it. You know, had the windshield, the saddlebag. I put the Cobra slash cuts on it. And that was that was a good bike. I you know really no complaints for. You know, if somebody I think wanted to get into motorcycles, I think you know the the Boulevard along with like the the Vulcan eight hundred is a great entry level bike. I mean, plenty yeah, of power you know, and comfortable. Yeah, you know, and unfortunately, they uh, well. Kawasaki has some really killer bikes in that range. Now the W800, that cafe bike, I mean, that thing is awesome. But um, they, they for a while there, they changed. So they got rid of the 800 and they went all the way up to a 900. And then, you know, they kind of, their, their lines kind of, when everybody was doing the kind of the battle of the V-twins, right? So they wanted the big, you know, the, everything, everything needed to be 800, 1800 cc's or more. So... You know, and I don't know if you remember, but uh, in 2000, um, Kawasaki put out the the uh, the 2000 Vulcan, and uh, that actually won Bike of the Year that year, and it was the fastest production model at that time um, of a, in the cruiser style bikes. And, oh, the Vulcan uh, 2000. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it, and that thing was a absolute beast. I'm really surprised that more people didn't get that bike and chop it up because that motor was a hot rod. It was, and God, what, what they end up putting on the back? It was like a two sixty tire, I think. It had yeah, a hell it, of a fucking tire too. Yeah, yeah, just about stood up on its own. Yeah, it was a, yeah. It, it was a, it was a screamer of a bike. But yeah, that's kind of where I started. Was uh, was that Vulcan, and I rode that, like I said, for about five or six years, and then um, sold it, and I was out of bikes for again for about two years, and then it was. It's kind of a funny story. My wife, uh, we were kind of in a. Um, we were ha- getting ready to have kids and we needed some new carpet for our house. And I sold my bike so we could buy new carpet for our house. And my wife said to me, you know, she's like, someday you can get a new bike. And I, she's like, I promise you can get a new bike. She knew I loved riding. And so um, we had kind of sold that house. I had a kid already. Um, I'd moved to a different job. I was uh, lying in bed. I remember it was 1130 on a Tuesday night. And uh, I rolled over. I shook my wife. She was sleeping. I rolled over. I shook her and I said, uh, some days here. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, someday you, could, you said I could get a new bike. I said, some days here. And she's like, okay. And she kind of rolls over and goes to sleep. And uh, that Friday I had a um, Sportster 1200 uh, uh, Nightster in my garage. So <laughs> I bought it. Kinda, uh, you know, I almost that? was very similar. I ended up with my Boulevard. I ended up having to sell that. My daughter needed a dental procedure in. I was fighting the insurance company. They wouldn't pay for it. It's like, well, you know, the hell with it. I'll sell the bike and I'll get one next year. Of course, next year moved on to next year. And, you know, mine yep. was a little bit longer when, you know, my daughter fell off riding horses. My boys started doing the travel baseball. It's like, you know what? I'll, we'll get a bike later. I was, you know, my wife and I, we started kids young enough. It's like, you know, when it happens, it happens. And, you know, for me, it was about a 10 year hiatus between bikes, but you know, sure. kind of a similar deal. Yeah. So then when I, after I got the Sportster, I knew, um, I, I knew I would have a bike until I couldn't ride anymore at that point. It was just a matter of, uh, you know, making sure that it was something that I knew, um, I, I knew where my passion was and I knew I just wanted to stay there. I just wanted to stay on bikes at that point. Uh, yep. I, and, and I knew that, um, once I kind of got the Harley and I was bitten by the bug, I knew I was, I was going to be stuck there. And so I just, I just stayed. I mean, I rode my Sportster for probably uh, three years, two and a half, three years. And um, how I, the style of riding I wanted to do, I knew the Sportster wasn't going to be right for what I wanted to do. And so I started looking around for a bigger bike and just fell into an amazing deal on a 2017 Road King Special. And uh, the rest is kind of history from there. So I, uh, I got that bike and just started traveling and um, uh, decided I wanted to, um, there's some people in the, in a motovlogging world that I started, that I was following. And um, I kind of thought that that might be something I was interested in. And so I kind of uh, started doing that, uh, went to a meetup and made 
made some connections with some friends and that kind of rolled over into the five dirty bikers podcast and uh, it kind of has just blossomed from there so so did you get your road your uh, road king brand new or did you, you know was it a year too old you know um so it would be officially classified as a used bike because i got it in uh 2019 i believe is when i got it but the owner bought it brand new and and when he bought it it was a 2017 he bought it i think in 2018 i I might be getting the time frame mixed up i might have gotten it in 18 but anyway the the owner that had the bike had it for one year brand new and put on 235 miles that was it and so he he knew he knew he wasn't you know actually it was uh the person that worked at the dealership the finance gal it was her husband's bike it was their bike essentially um and so he actually traded down he traded that in he bought it brand new and then he traded down to um like a 2014 electroglide um and traded that bike in and so when i got it, it had 235 miles on it but because it had been in someone's garage for a year essentially they had to sell it as, as a used bike and so i got a great deal on it it was just before you know it was before everything got nuts with the prices and used bikes and you know, kind of all of that. So I got that bike for a steal. I mean, an absolute steal. So it, it was a really good, it was a really good deal that I got on it and uh, have been in love with that bike ever since then. Jeez, I mean, you know, I hadn't even had its first break in service yet. No, no. I mean, I still, yeah, it didn't even have 500 miles. So, um, and it was interesting. <clears throat> so there used to be a dealership in my hometown, um, but that dealership did not have the greatest reputation and uh, was very, very small. They never had a lot of bikes. Um, you know, they never really treated people that went in there. They treated everybody that went in there like they didn't belong. And um, so I found this bike, actually I found my Sportster and this bike online from a dealership about 150 miles away. And when I bought my, bought my Sportster online, I never even test rode it. Um, did all the paperwork over the, over the phone or excuse me, did all the paperwork, like mailing it back and forth. And they delivered the bike right to my house. When, okay. uh, um, when I bought, uh, when I bought my road King, same thing, they came and picked up my sportster and then I brought it, I brought it, uh, um, they came and picked up my sportster and dropped my road King off. So it's like, I went to work on a Tuesday and came home Tuesday night and my road King was sitting in my garage. So, hey, that um, bad. yeah, so I did have to go for that one. I did have to go sign papers for it, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it, they, they have a really, you know, in, in our area of the country there, the dealerships are a little bit spread apart, but the, because the dealership in my hometown did not have a good reputation, um, the other dealerships had lots of things that they did to cater to customers on my side of the state. So like if right now, if I wanted to get uh, service done on my bike and I wanted it done at that dealership, they would say, okay, we're going to be through your area next Tuesday you know, um, give us a code to your garage. We'll go in your garage. We'll get your bike out. We'll throw it on the trailer. We'll bring it back. We'll, um, you know, do the service, do the change of oil, whatever you want done. And we'll throw your bike back in the garage when we come through next time. They do that in the wintertime around here so that people can do all their services. And, you know, if you're not a guy that mods your own bikes, they'll, they'll do that for you in the wintertime. And, uh, it's a, it allows them to continue to have service work for their drivers over the winter or their, their repair guys over the winter. There's a few dealerships up here that, you know, for me, the closest one is a little over an hour, probably an hour and a half away. But, you know, you got a few more within the, you know, the Puget Sound area of Washington. And they make a trip like, I think there's one of them is out here every week. Another one, it's every other week. But, you know, guys like say it's pouring rain the day you your appointment comes or, you know, you can schedule in advance. They just come out with a trailer and, you know, they'll do loops of the Olympic Peninsula. They'll pick up the bike, take it to the shop and. It could be a week, two weeks later, you know, they're coming back. Then they bring the bike back to you. Yeah. It's kind of a cool deal for some people because, I don't know, I guess they just want to get it done. Maybe their work schedule, they can't be off work that day. So, you know, having a dealership that does kind of, I don't know if you want to say go the extra mile, but does that pickup service is a a great feature for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. it it, It's great for us here because, you know, like I said, we don't, we, we, we have, uh, I won't ride now again until at least March or April. So that um, that's, 
yeah, that's it's I mean, the weather is just it's just way too bad, way too cold, way too snowy, you know, that kind of stuff. So um, we have, you know, we have four or five months. I for me, I call it the mod seasons. You know, I don't work on my bike unless it breaks down when the weather's nice. So when it's cold out, that's when I try to do all my modifications, all my like any of my install videos or mod videos or, or uh, review videos typically come out in the wintertime because, you know, when the weather's nice, I'm riding. So, yeah, because you're what, North Dakota? I am in North Dakota. Yep. I, I'm in Grand Forks. I'm about 100 miles from the Canadian border. Oh, OK. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess technically you say where I live, Port Andos, where I, you know, be considered a border town. You can hop the ferry here and go over to, well, I think the ferry's running again. It's been closed for, with COVID. Oh, sure. You know, consider us a border town because you normally could hop the ferry and go over to Vancouver Island. Right, right, right. Yeah, so we're, you we're enjoy a bit... traveling? What's that? You enjoy traveling by motorcycle whenever you can? Oh, man. Yeah, that is... Uh, long distance riding on my in my bike is, is absolutely my favorite thing to do, so... Um, I think this last year I put 13,000 miles on my bike. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I was in, I'm trying to think 12 or 13 States this last year. Um, so yeah, every year, uh, we plan quite a few trips, um, where we, we did a, uh, um, a 900, 930 mile loop around our state, visited all the dealerships in our state. So we drove across the state, um, which is about, uh, 430 miles or so. And, you know, went to all the dealerships all the way across the state. Then we camped at a state park at the end of the state and then drove back the next day. So in under 48 hours, we drove, um, just under a thousand miles. Um, we did, uh, we rode obviously to Kentucky for our five dirty bikers meetup. We did that in October. Um, I went to, we went camping in Duluth along the shores of Lake Superior last year. Um, so yeah, yeah, I really, and then I went to Illinois on a trip, um, to see Dustin from the five dirty bikers podcast. So yeah, I, I really enjoy And then every Saturday, we almost all summer long, every Saturday or Sunday, we'd go on, you know, some trip riding between 150 and 300 miles and we would go have lunch somewhere and then ride back. So really for me, um, it's the long distance riding that I enjoy the most. It is a lot of fun. God, now thinking about, you know, what you're talking about doing a loop around the state where you live, you know, hitting the Harley dealerships. That's a killer idea. I might have to think of that in the spring. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a lot of fun. And, and really what we did was uh, um, we just kind of planned a route and uh, camped one day. So the, the goal was we initially were going to try to do it all in one day, but um, we knew that that we weren't going to be able to hit the business hours all in one day. So we did it over the course of two days um, <clears throat> to hit all the dealerships and then camped in between there. So um, camped in a state park, which was really cool. I mean, woke up in the morning and there was Buffalo sit standing outside of our tents. And so, um, so yeah, and it, it was, it was like uh, free range camping, no, no amenities except a bathroom essentially. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And that probably the hardest part about that was, you know, at the end of your long ride, you set up camp and your camp's only going to be up for 12 hours. You know what I mean? You set up camp and then take down camp and pack your bike and get on the road again. So that was probably the 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 most difficult part of it. Um, but two summers ago, we did the area up near Sturgis and we camped there for six days and rode all over that area. Devil's Tower, Badlands, um, you know, went through the, all the Sturgis area, um, did Spearfish Canyon you know, all of the kind of the, the big rides around uh, Needles Highway, um, Iron Mountain Road, did can, you know, kind of all of those those things in the Sturgis area, which I would highly suggest any motorcyclist that um, that hasn't been up that area, go up there when Sturgis is not happening so you can actually ride the roads when they're not overcrowded. Um, it's an, it's yeah. some of the best riding in the country, you know. You coming from where you are, though, in Washington, you'd ride through a ton of the best riding just to get there. <laughs> I've gone halfway. I mean, I did that. It wasn't last. It was summer before. I guess, well, we're 21, so it would have been 19. The uh, ride one came a day. I went to Missoula. Okay. Port Angeles, which Missoula would be the halfway point. That was like 500. And then I headed south, went up over Lolo Pass through the Bitterroots and looped yeah. around Boise down to my 
brothers in Kuna, which is just southwest of Boise, and or yeah, southwest. And that okay. was an absolute blast. I mean, coming down, I went up over Lolo. It started pouring rain, and you know it was triple digits. I'm like, fuck, this kind of sucks. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, this isn't bad. You know, you're kind of cooling down. It's like, all right, I can deal with this. And I think the rain lasted five minutes and was right back into an oven as I started going down the sure. other side. And then hitting, you know, the Idaho Panhandle, getting down toward close to Boise. You know, I still in some of that backcountry, beautiful area. The sun setting over the hills, and it was an absolute gorgeous ride through Idaho. I spent a week down there, and my son yeah. was also playing baseball. So my wife's like, "Hey, you've always wanted to go do a thousand miles a day." She goes, "Why don't you just do it?" And I'm like, "Cool." Packed the bike. I said, "Uh, I'm gonna leave in the morning. I'll see you the next day." Yeah, I, it was a lot I of think fun. I enjoyed it. Idaho is super unique. Did you know that they have a volcano national park in Idaho? I did not. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I my wife and I drove through there in a car one time, and Idaho has a lot of uh, really unique topography that I was just I didn't know about until I kind of drove drove through it uh, on my way to uh, um, where were we Where were we going? We were going to Utah and drove through part of Idaho and and just some beautiful country up there. But yeah, we're we're planning on doing um, Beartooth Pass next summer. So I want to do that same one. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, a buddy of mine did that. And he, you know, and, and if you've been to Yellowstone, he said, this is what he told me because he did Yellowstone last year too. He said, don't do Yellowstone on a bike. He said, it's not, um, he said it really wasn't very fun because uh, he said the, the people that are in Yellowstone are looking around and they're not really looking out for motorcyclists. You know what I mean? They're looking out their windows of their car and, not really paying attention. It's overly crowded, so it's a lot of stop and go. So your bike's going to get really hot. And uh, so you, you don't have a lot of open road to travel. He said, go through Yellowstone if you want to bring the family out there. Do that in a car. But he said, if you're going to do the other rides, Beartooth Pass and that kind of stuff, that you want to do on a bike because that's amazing. Yeah, I, I know I've had some friends. My dad's done it and you know some other guys. and It's on my list. I want to get over it also to the Devil's Tower. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting because the riding around Devil's Tower sucks. I mean, we went out there, when, when we went out to Devil's Tower, it was, oh man, it was 90, probably 97, 98 degrees. And it's basically just just what it is. It's this huge outcropping in the middle of nowhere. You'll see it when you're probably 30, 40 miles away. You'll see it. And you'll be like, oh, there it is. And then you realize, yeah, still have 30 or 40 miles to get to it. So, um, <laughs> you know, you just kind of, you know, you just drive to it. You drive up to it. Then you can walk up to the base, take your pictures, get on your bike and drive away. Because there's really no riding around it that's that's fun. I mean, it's pretty much, you know, it's uh, probably, I want to say maybe 10, 15 miles, 20 miles off the interstate. It's not very far. But yeah, it's really, it. It, it's really incredible, though, because there's nothing out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, getting there and, you know, being able, I'd love to go see the Tetons and, you know, some of that area. There's, you know, I want to venture farther east. You know, my, you know, have a plan for my dad and I. We're hoping within, I don't know if we can do it next year, probably be the year after, hit the East Coast and sure, go from one corner to the other and, you know, check out a lot of sites. And, you know, some of the, I'd love to hit down through the Ozarks, through the Smoky Mountains, you know, and just go for a ride and just, you know, I'll go cross country with them and enjoy because you know none of us are getting younger, so might as well do it sooner than later. Right, right. And there's so there's so many great areas in in the country to ride, and it's amazing you get from state to state and how different the topography is, and how each state kind of has their own thing. And and uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's great. And it's, people have asked me that a few times too. Like, you know, do you do you want to ride overseas or do anything like that? And I would say honestly, I really. I, there's so much in the United States to explore before I would even think about wanting to ride overseas that mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be perfectly happy exploring the United States because there's a lot of, a lot of stuff to see. I mean, I know Tennessee is is amazing. I'd love to ride through Tennessee and yeah. and uh, even like the the uh, horse country in Kentucky that we rode this last summer. Just beautiful areas. There's um, the Great River Road that rides along the the um, the Mississippi and Illinois and, you know, kind of like the South of Chicago area. That's all that area. It's just, there's so many areas to ride that are just beautiful. And, and, uh, just every, every state and every area brings something different and new that you wouldn't see somewhere else. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And, you know, it's like you're talking about, you know, Tennessee, of course, you know, it's so popular. But the other one I've really heard about from numerous people is like you get up in New York, you upstate and the Catskills, I guess, is just yep. some great country. And, you know, I've heard a bunch about that area. But, yeah, you get, you know, Maine. It's like you said, every every state has something that is going to be amazing to see. And, you know, they all have something to offer. Yeah, there's a lot to see within the borders of our own countries for sure. Yeah, it's just like, you know, the people that I think and I think what happens, too, is I, I've asked people I've asked other people this when they live in an area that's like what I would consider to be like a destination area for riding. Do you take it for granted? You know what I mean? And uh, um, some people absolutely do. You know what I mean? They just take it for granted that they can they can ride all the time or they can um or they have this really unique feature about riding there. But once you've done it a few times, you just don't think about it anymore. You know, it, it doesn't, it's not, yeah. uh, it's not anything that you find exciting because you see it every day. And uh, so I think that's part of it. I've said that even about North Dakota, right? Um, there's very few places in the country you can go where you can get out of town and you can see literally 50 to 100 miles straight down a road and the horizon, you know, the, the land and the sky meet. And that's just something that's unique about our area of the country. I mean, in the summertime, our longest day of the year, it will be light out at 10 o'clock. Yeah, we get that here, you know, same thing. It's like here you can go, you know, I, my family, we enjoy going out to the coast. You know, we can head out, we're right on, you know, we camp on right on the down near on the beach on the pacific ocean and sure watching that sunset go down with the sun i mean as far as you can see the water meets the horizon and yep you watch that sun go down man i've seen some absolutely amazing sunsets you know and like i said the summertime nine to you know ten o'clock at night when the sun finally goes down it's dark man it's it is it's a beautiful place to live out here when you can watch the sun go down over the ocean and it's it's gorgeous yeah and you nice can summer what, evenings yeah for sure and you know in, in your area you can head down the coastline and oregon is you know, kind of all that wooded and, 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 you know, kind of hilly area, hill country. And, um, you have a lot of, you, you have a lot of unique, I would say uh, unique riding in your area. Yeah. We're, you know, we're, we're known as the, you know, like with Port Andos where the mountains meet the sea. There are right. not many places where you can go from sea level, hanging at the beach and go take a 45 minute drive and be in the snow of the mountains in the right. same, same area. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a uh, uh, it definitely brings a new level of uh, of riding to you know our uniqueness of riding to where where you guys are at for sure. Yeah, and it is a beautiful ride here. You know, one big one up here that's popular in the summertime is the Olympic Peninsula Loop. You can ride along the Strait of Juan de Fuca, head down the coast on one on one on you know the Pacific Ocean there, and then you cut across the bottom and come up Hood Canal along the south end of Puget Sound. Yeah, that's a gorgeous ride. It's a little over 300 miles, but it's very easy to make that a whole day, especially if you want to make a few stops on the coast, you know, and join the sites, you know, stop a little town of forest, grab some food. Basically, if you want to have a picnic out on, uh, you know, Claylock is a great place or Mora. It's another good beach out on the uh, Pacific coast and, you know, enjoy the sights and just kind of enjoy the beach, hop back on the bike and keep going. I know I've, I've done that a few times, rode out to Clay a lot just to, you know, grab a soda, have a sandwich and enjoy the sights and then head back. Yeah, I, I would say, too, even even if you're taking it for granted where you're riding, like any day on a bike is a good day. You know, anytime you just yeah. have that opportunity to get out on your bike and unwind and, you know, get out on the open road. And I, I, I tell my my buddies that I ride with, they ride with music a lot in their helmets. And I, I actually don't. I ride silent a lot in my helmet. And, uh, I just like to kind of take it in, you know what I mean? Whatever, mm -hmm. whatever it is, if it's just here in the wind or, you know, kind of smelling your surroundings, whatever it is, I, I, uh, I, I don't ride with a lot of music. I do sometimes if I, if I know, like if we're, if we're on a long trip and we got 1200 miles over the course of two days and we're going to put in two long days of riding some of that time, I'll throw some music in just because it, you know, kind of helps break it up a little bit. Um, but usually when you're putting on those kind of miles, you're going through multiple States. And so you're you know, your, your surroundings are changing and you're, you know, you get gas and the next, your neck, you know, your next gas stop, you might be close to another border of another state. And, and so, you know, it, it, it provides a lot of uh, variety from that perspective too. So. Yeah. See, I've, I enjoy music. Sometimes I'll turn it on the, but you know, for me, maybe ride the road glide, 
I do got the, you know, the, the stereo on the bike. And I recently finally went to a four face, you know, from a half helmet. Sure. And of course, I mean, I, I don't hear it as well. I do have a, you know, comm unit, but I don't really list a lot of music in my helmet. I might just turn it on the bike. I can't hear it as well now, but you know, it doesn't bother me, but you know, sometimes just uh, you can get a little good tune whether I want to flip up the visor and I can hear it a little bit more. And I don't know, you know, being also a drive truck, I mean, I listen to a lot of music, podcasts, and it's just music right. is something I really enjoy, and it just helps time go by sometimes. You know, whether sure. I actually pay attention when I'm riding or not, it's another story, but you know, <laughs> I got thousands of songs on, you know, my old phone. I basically use my old one as a, my, uh, basically like an iPod. Oh, sure. I'll just hit shuffle and throw it in the freaking pocket and go. Right, right. That's interesting to me that you, um, you know, you drive truck and then on your off time, you still like to spend yeah. time on a bike. That's, that's, yeah. that's interesting. But I, I guess, you know, I mean, driving a truck is nothing like riding a motorcycle as far as that goes. So, you know, you, you kind of go from this giant vehicle to something much smaller. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the road rage can get a little less on a motorcycle for sure. You know, you, you do get those days <laughs> where, you know, you kind of wish maybe a twin 50 caliber machine guns on the hood or a massive push bumper because <laughs> it can't get frustrating and piss you off. But, you know, the other things it's, you know, I've gone to a lot of different places. You know, you find more places out of the way also. And very fortunate, right. I guess, when it came to exploring the Northwest, when my boys started doing baseball, you know, we were going all over. And I think baseball also really helped find a lot of these little hole-in-the-wall places that yeah. I've actually gone back to and, you know, the motorcycles, hey, you know, the wife and I, you remember this place? Yeah, let's go down this road. Instead of, I enjoy more traveling on the two-lane road. If if I don't have to hop on the super slab, I don't want to. There right. are those times where, you know, you're going somewhere, you got to do a little bit of the interstate. But, man, I'll, I'll take a two-lane back highway every time I can. Yeah, we, when, what I have a group of guys that, that I travel with, and, and uh, unfortunately for us, we're kind of in this position now where, you know, for us to get anywhere, we have to super slab out of the state. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, we, we typically like to do a combination of things. Um, and more oftentimes than not, we're destination riding. So we're riding somewhere that we want to ride. And so we're trying to get there so we can spend some time there riding. And so that usually means we need to get there, you know, on the super slab for most of the most of the yeah. journey. So which is understandable. I mean, sometimes you got to do it. And that's just how it is. But no, I, yeah. I, I totally get that. I mean, you know, there's times like I'm going down to Idaho on one of the trips, you don't want to get there. So you got to spend, you know, that day and whatnot on the big highway and you just do it. And then once you get down there, then you can just enjoy all the back roads and go explore. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's kind of one of those, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I understand. I understand both sides of it, right? I think if you need to get somewhere, you have to get on the super slab. But if you want to explore, obviously, like you said, you know the two lane roads are just where where it's at. Yeah, um, it's the nature so, of the beast. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know they built. I think they both. Obviously, the super slab serves a purpose. And and the oh, really yeah. the night the nice riding is going to be you know typically off of that off of the beaten path. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like up here, you got, you know, if you're going east, you got the main I-90, you get over the Cascades, but there is, you know, three other, well, depending, you can turn off few, but you have your other choices of mountain passes that are way more scenic and a lot more enjoyable riding. But, you know, if you got to get somewhere, then, you know, hop I-90, and you're going to get there quicker than some of the other ones. But it just depends on your timetable, what you got going on. Right, right. Yeah, we, more oftentimes than not, like we... We try to plan a lot of trips like over a weekend too. So like our Thursday, Friday, our Monday, Tuesday might be our travel days. So we're trying to put down a lot of miles in front of the time that we want to be there. So, yeah, you know, it, it just, you have to find, you really just have to find what works for you. You know, I mean, in terms of, in terms of your riding and I always, I, I tell anybody, cause we get this a lot in our podcast. People want to know what the best bike is for this and the best bike is for that. And the best bike is for this. And you know, my answer kind of is become really canned and it's kind of always the same, it's, which is you got to know how you want to ride, first of all, right? If you're a bar hopper, don't buy a touring bike because they're big and they're heavy and it's probably not going to it's, it's probably not going to serve the purpose for you. But if you want to do cross country riding, 
I mean, they don't get any better than a touring bike. I mean, that's what they're built to do. They're built for long hauls all over the road. They have bags. They have amenities to make the make that style of trip easy for you. Can can you do can you do that? You know, you can use any bike to do any of those things. I mean, you know, if if you've ever watched a if you haven't watched it, you should. It's really good. Uh, there's a movie called. Um, um, it's kind of a take on Ewan McGregor's The Long Way Down. Mm-hmm. And this one is, I think it's called The Slow Ride Across or something like that. And basically, these guys do a cross-country trip on scooters. Yeah, it's actually, they do it yearly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, those things don't go over 40 miles an hour. And they drive mm-hmm. them all the way across the country. So anything on two wheels is going to get you where you want to go. Um, it, it just depends on... You know, do you have the right tool for the job? That's kind of how I like to put it. And it comes down to your setup. It's like you're saying, I mean, I ride a bagger. I love it. You know, it was my end goal, you know, years ago. It's like, you know, actually the biggest thing that I wanted was hard bags. I've done a lot of riding with, you know, the leather saddlebags. And, you know, you always run the chance of getting caught in the rain. Getting to that ending destination, you know, especially having hard bags where you know you have something dry to put on after you've been pounding miles in the rain is a great feeling but take a setup you can take any platform i mean i can name guys that are great examples you outfit that bike and set it up to fit your statue what you want to do and anything's going to work you know like von gasfall guy just lays down so many miles and you know he's riding a dyna and guy goes everywhere i mean he's done you know the 50 cc cross country in under 50 hours I mean, he lays down serious miles, but he's outfit that bike to fit his statue, his riding style, and it's great. You know, like I said, a, a touring bike, if you're going to want to do serious miles, that's, you know, that's the way to go. But nothing says that you can't do it on another bike as long as, you know, take the time and get what fits you. Make that bike your own and your style for what you want to do and go have fun. Yeah, for sure. I just, I, I always try to tell people too, you know, Riding a motorcycle or, or, or even having a Harley, it's not a dick measuring contest. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I got nothing to, I got nothing to prove to anybody. I ride how I ride. I, my bike is set up for me, like it or not. I mean, you know, everybody has their own style, their own taste, their own flair. To me, that's what I love about it. You know, I love when I pull into a place where they're where I'm gonna meet a bunch of guys that have their bikes so I can look at what somebody else has done, you know. Um we had our we had our meetup uh, this last year, and um, one of the guys that showed up um, showed up on an older style. Um, man, it wasn't a Dyna. I can't think of what I can't. I don't remember what it was. But anyway, it was the whole bike was the whole engine was chrome. Um, he had really tall ape hangers on there. Had an old school flame paint job. It had the uh, the old flare fender that goes straight off the back instead of curling down over the tire. Um, <clears throat> they did that in the in the Dynas for a while in the in the uh, uh, early two thousands, <clears throat> and uh, it was his first time motorcycle camping, and it was his first time taking a long trip. and he, And he had this you know really really nice bike, and he was a young young guy, military guy, and he was in his uh, he's in his twenties, right, twenty five probably years old. And, um, but his was the bike there that I liked the most just because when he pulled up and he stopped and he got off his bike, it was the one bike that you looked at and you're like, that's a cool bike. Like, you know what I mean? Like it just looked really cool and he just looked like a badass riding it. But would I have wanted to ride that bike across the country? No way in hell. There's no way in hell I would have wanted to ride that bike across the country. He had no windshield. No wind protection. I mean, he was getting his ass kicked the whole time down the road because he was like, you know, his arms are up in the air like this. So he's like a big, you know, a big wind flare. And yeah. uh, it just it, it looked co- incredibly uncomfortable to ride for a long distance. But it was a hella cool bike. And, you know, it just it just goes to show you. But but he loved it. And he loved the kind of old school chopper vibe that it had. And uh and he just strapped everything on that he wanted to take on his trip and, you know, did it just super old school, you know, basically had mm-hmm. like an army green duffel bag strapped on that bad boy and, and, uh, strapped something, strapped another bag on his front bars and called it good. So, you know, you, you do for him, it worked perfectly. And that's what I like to, you know, a lot of going down, you know, what we talk about is 
you know, a lot of people, what should I do to my bike? What should I do this? It's like, you know, the best thing I can say is, you know what? It is, it's a blank canvas. Make it yours. Build what you want. It's it's really important, I think, for, for every, anybody that's going to ride and, and just to know how you want to ride, first of all. I think, I think that's, for, for a lot of people get into motorcycling, they don't know. You know what I mean? They don't know how they want to ride. And so I think that you just got to try it out. You know, if you feel like you want to do a long distance trip, get on your bike and do a long distance trip. You might find out that you liked the trip, but your bike isn't set up to do it. So now you know what mods you need to do to your bike to get it to, to do what you want it to do. Or, you know, if you want to and, and find, I think the other thing that's important too is find people that are like-minded as you are, if you're looking to ride with people, you want people that are going to have your same same kind of riding style and interests in mind. You know what I mean? It's There's nothing worse than getting in with a group of riders that they want to go long distance and you want to bar hop or, you know, vice versa or whatever, because then you're, you know, you're not with the right group of people. You're always going to be doing something that you don't want to do or you're wanting to do something else. And I think the other thing that goes along with that is long distance could be something different to Joe Blow than what it is to you. Yeah, you for know, sure. To you, you know, a, a five, 600 mile day, hey, that might be long distance. But, you know, there are is those other guys where long distance to them, you know, it's a thousand plus miles a day or 800. And going from 600 to 800 miles, if you're not ready or, you know, it's not your thing, that extra 200 miles can be brutal. And that's yeah. the other thing is we all have our own limits. And, you know, just because they do it doesn't mean that you got to go try it right off hand. I think, you know, break yourself into it a little bit, go do a 300, 400 miles saying, okay, how do I feel? You know, is, is my setup working for me? Whether, you know, handlebar position, hell, you know, is your ass fucking comfortable still? <laughs> There's a lot of other things that are going to come into it and you got to figure out where you're at in that scenario. And it's not going to be the same as everybody. So, uh, you know, dive in slowly. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I, we mentioned it on the live stream the other night, you know, points of contact where, where, where your, your rider triangle and where you touch your bike is totally yeah. going to make the biggest difference in, in your comfort level on your bike, you know, or, or, yep. you know what, do you have, the, do you have the right bike for what you want to do? You know, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think you're, it's this interesting scenario I see right now that I see kind of two different sides of it, which is there's a lot of young people are really getting into motorcycling on the like what I would consider to be grassroots of it, right? They're they're getting into the kind of the chopper culture, the you know DIY that kind of stuff, and not that it's any less expensive because it's really not. It's just a, a little bit more of a uh, it's just a little bit more of a tinkering culture where like for me for instance I I like mo modding my bike too, but really. More than anything, I like riding my bike, and I want to know that I have a dependable dependable bike that I can just go out of my garage, start it up, and ride it for two, three, four, five hundred miles, and not have to worry about it. You know. Yeah, and you know, I think that also comes down to you know keeping up just on on your maintenance. Pay attention to yeah. things. Whether you know YouTube is a great way. Hey, you want to learn some things? That's great. You know, if you're the kind of guy that just doesn't want to dive into it, then you know, yeah, you know, use your local mechanic, whatever shop you like, but keeping up on that standard maintenance is sure going to make your bike go a lot farther in the, <laughs> yeah. the simple things like, you know, for you say your, your bike's been down five, six months, you know, simple things, you know, air pressure, you know, if your bike sat that long, it's been a few months, you're going to go for a ride, take the extra minute, you know, just check your tires. Cause you know, having a low tire on a motorcycle is uh it could be a bad thing. Yeah. Just simple things. You know, check your fluids Just Hey, my, my oil still good. You know, how's my tranny, my primary, you know, just, take that extra second. If you haven't ridden a while, just to make sure that everything's ready to go and Hey, go rip some miles. Have a good time. Yeah. Well, an air pressure. I mean, the, the fact that you bring that up, that was one thing when I uh, talked to, I have a, we have a local shop here in town and I was getting new tires this summer and, and tires are really hard to come by right now. And he said, he goes, it's amazing to him how many people ride with very, very, very low tire pressure in their motorcycle. You know, it not only is it dangerous, like you said, but it just wears your tire out so much faster. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right now in the time that we're in, it's difficult to get a tire. They're not cheap. They're expensive. And, you know, you're riding with, you know, 20 pounds of air pressure in your tire. 
So you're going to wear it out after 500 miles or a thousand miles when you, you know, that tire should have been good for 10 grand. It just doesn't make good sense. You know, just like you said, I got 21,000 out of my last rear. Oh, that's crazy, dude. That good for you. Good for you. Yeah, it was awesome. But yeah, I, mine's already, she just got new front tire and new rear tire just before the end of summer, put new tires on it. And, which is fortunate, you know, like with my dad, we both ride, you know, we enjoy riding together. So his shop up at his garage, we got the bike lift. He, he, you know, got a tire changer so we can do our own tires and, you know, we do oh, good pretty much 90% of our own maintenance. And he's up actually right now putting new cams in his 2019, he upgraded the cams, push rods, true duels. And putting a new programmer in it right now. Oh wow! Look at that. So his bike's gonna be uh, gonna be like a brand new machine when he starts riding it again. Yeah, pretty much was too. I don't think he was around twenty thousand on it. Oh okay, yeah. So yeah, but he, he <laughs> wanted a little bit more. You know, wanted to up the uh, up the ponies a little bit. Sure. So he has a. You said he has a twenty nineteen. So he's in the yeah. eight then. Yep. Yeah, he's at the one hundred seven. Okay. Yeah. Hey, yeah, if you put a um, if you put a cam in the 107, it really wakes that motor up a lot for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I did that. See, I, mine's an 04, so I got the 88, but it's been bumped to the 95. I got the gear-driven cams in it, and you know, it, it's got miles. But I'm the second owner. The first was my dad, and okay, you know, there's a, a lot of history how I got the bike, but it's yep, you know, got that sentimental value, and you know, like I said it comes down to you take care of them they'll go a long time and you know what was cool in the saddlebag i can open up the tour pack there's a little black book and it has every service and everything that my dad ever did to it i mean even coming down to the dates where he checked the tire pressure every nice. oil change new tires air filters primary i mean every bit of history maintenance is written down in that book the date mileage and everything has been done since day one nice that's really cool that's yeah. really cool yeah there's nothing there's nothing like a uh um you know, get I mean, when you have a getting a used bike from somebody that has been well maintained, you know, because everybody's like, oh, is this high miles for this bike? Well, I don't know. How was it ridden? Was it taken care of? Yeah. Did they do the service intervals? You know, you could have somebody that gives you a 10,000 mile bike, but they were redlining every, you know, stoplight. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, just, yep. just cracking through the gears and redlining all the way through. It's got 10,000 miles. That motor's running like it's got 100,000 on it, right? Or you can have somebody with a bike that's got 50,000 miles and it was owned by somebody who's, you know, washing it and waxing it every every time they go for a ride and crazy meticulous about all of the service intervals and everything. That bike is going to go for much longer. So it's all relative yeah. to how the bikes have been taken care of. And usually, you know, uh, one somebody told me one time, a good rule of thumb, if you want to know how well a bike has been taken care of, and you're say you're going to buy a used bike from somebody. You want to know how well it's been taken care of. Take the seat off. Heck, good if, point. If you take the seat off and you look right there underneath the seat, and it looks like a squirrel's been living in there, that bike has not been well taken care of. If you take the seat off and the hole underneath of that seat is clean and and well taken care of, you know that they're probably following service intervals and doing what they need to do to take care of their bike. And you know, I mean, God, I think that could come down. You know. Pop a saddlebag off. Look at the back side of a saddlebag. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I don't like mine. If I get caught in, you know, some nasty rain or whatnot, bad weather, I'll pull all the bags off, clean behind them. In the summertime, I might go every other wash. I'll pull off the saddlebags and wash behind them. If it's just, you know, I'm cleaning it because of, you know, dusty or whatnot, just conditions. All depends. But, you know, you see so many people also that bugs the hell out of me with these brand new bikes. And they look like they're 50 years old because they don't ever clean them. They're just disgustingly dirty. And oh, yep. my God, it just eats at me. You know, yep. Why do you spend that much money and you don't want to take care of it? Yep. And, and you know, most of those people are going to say it's my money. You know what I mean? I can. Yeah, I, I've got I, a point. You know, I, I bought the bike. I, can, I ride it how I want to ride it. I, you know, I didn't I didn't buy it to wash it. I, buy, I bought it to ride it. I, mm -hmm. I get that. Right. I understand that concept. But, man, if you just take care of your bike, it's going to it's it's going to take care of you. I mean, it's going to go much longer and have a much better yeah. life if you take care of it than if you just don't do anything to it. I mean, just like you said, perfect example. We were coming back from Sturgis. So there was four of us riding together. Uh, actually, we we're coming back from Devil's Tower. We pulled over at a gas station and uh, there was a kind of an older gentleman there. His bike was a 2019. And just like you said, it had never been washed. 
it had, um, you know, barely had any service done to it. When he pulled over, he complained about the cost, you know, the, the cost of the bike and how bikes are so expensive now. And it sounded like it was going to explode. And he had pulled into the gas station because something was running weird. He couldn't get his bike started again. We stayed there with him, helped him get it going, he had some loose connections or whatever. We got everything connected. He got his bike started again, went down the road. By the time we got down to the road, he was waving us on. One of the guys stopped over. His bike was running on one cylinder. It was a 2019, and it was running on one Jesus. cylinder already because he had he had really just beat the piss out of it. And I just was like, none of that was necessary, you know? I mean, you, you, yeah. if you would have taken care of your bike a little bit, it wouldn't be in the condition that it was in. Well, that's very true. Yeah, and you know, you take care of it, it's going to take care of you. Yeah, for sure. But again, it's, you know, it kind of goes back to that same thing. People are like, it's my money. I, I do with it what I want. You got to respect that too, I guess. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. you know, not much you do, but you just look at it and, you know, me, I'll just shake my head and say, all right, whatever, man. Right, right. You know, yeah, I just, I, I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to get into a pissing match with someone over how they clean or don't clean their bike or whatever. You know, we tease amongst my friends all the time on the uh, Five Day Bikers podcast because one of our one of our buddies, Tony, um, he has a whole kind of routine. He goes after he brings, you know, goes and goes for a ride, fills up with gas before he goes home, and then he will, um, um, you know, kind of clean his bike before he puts it away, and that's his routine every time. And uh, kind of follows that routine every time he rides his bike. And, and we kind of give him crap about how, you know, his bike has never seen dust or dirt or anything. And it's because he, but that's his, that's his routine. He likes a bike that looks new and well taken care of. Anytime he gets on a ride and goes somewhere, he wants somebody to look at his bike and see that it looks, you know, spot on all the time. I mean, I, I got a buddy like that. And he kind of rubbed off of me, you know, on a trip one time. You know, it's day two, we're out there getting ready. He opens one saddlebag, it's like a detail kid. Pulls out the cleaner, starts cleaning everything, wiping it yep. down. I'm like, that's not a bad, bad idea. You know, I've basically done the same thing. I got one saddlebag. I got my toolkit, you know, sockets that I have that, yep. you know, plus my other little bag of tools. And then, you know, I got some uh, Lucas Speed Cleaner and then the uh, Bug Slide. You yep. know, I got a bunch of detail rags and, yep. you know, in the morning, wipe down all the bugs, clean it off and and go. Yeah. I, I, I have actually started doing the same thing. I carry same, same thing. I have a microfiber cloth, bug slide, that kind of stuff. And honestly, since you started wearing a full face helmet, you're going to find out that bug slide is going to come in handy because you know, we're on a, you know, if you're taking a long trip, you're going over five, 600 miles in a day. I'll use that bug slide a, a couple times a day to clean off my face shield, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it keep, works keep good. That. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, clean off the front of your bike, get that windshield, that fairing all nice and clean, clean off your windshield. There's nothing wrong with that. No, you know, a little bit of extra visibility is a great thing. Yeah, yeah. Without that bug slide is some awesome shit. <laughs> it, does, it does its job. You know, honestly, yeah. for a cleaner too, one of the things I really like about it for a cleaner is it smells good. You so know does what I mean? Lucas. The does Lucas it? cleaner I have smells like freaking candy. It, oh, yeah. It's like you're on your hands like, God damn, it smells good. I know. And then but, when you spray your helmet, then you don't have to worry about like your, you know, getting like weird, nasty smelling fumes inside of your helmet. <laughs> but yeah, until it, you yeah. go buy a dairy farm. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, shoot, man. Thanks for, uh, you know, taking time out of your, your day and coming on and, and sharing some stories. By the way, I did want to thank you for, you know, the other night we're on that live stream. You know, you made the comments about, you know, the memorial posts I did for Leo. And, you know, thank you for your comments, and your feedback on that. It meant a lot to me. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, um, that situation really reminded me too, that we never know as motorcyclists, you know, we always talk about our community, the size of our community, and we always do these things for each other and that kind of stuff. And sometimes you don't know the reach that somebody has in a community or what they mean to a community or whatever until, until they're not with us anymore. And, um, yeah. you know, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, a unique situation, I think for all of us, like I said uh, on there is that, um, our event was the last event that, that Leo rode at, and it was the last time he and Tina rode together. And so, um, we were kind of directly connected to that. And he, he was, uh, probably the third guest that we ever had on our podcast. Um, Leo was, and, and, um, yeah, he was just, my first. 
Yeah, yeah. And so it and he he's always been one of those people that, you know, Leo was unapologetically himself. But if you ever met him and you ever um, were around him in person, he always took the time. I mean, you know, at our events, you saw him, you know, he was he, he was talking to everybody and and uh, um, really, really was a great ambassador for um, the, the riding part of our motorcycle community. You know what I mean? Leo liked to put on miles. He liked to ride. He liked to be at events and and be where things were happening. And, um, you know, and for him, it was all about the people that were at those events. It was never about the size of the event. Um, he, he showed up for the people and, and I, and I really thought that that was, uh, one of the things that was so amazing and, and just, uh, you know, a good guy, you know, a veteran of our armed services and, uh, um, you know, he will greatly be missed. And so it, it, it was no, um, it was no great feat for me to, to, uh, um, to, to, you just, you really, you didn't have to do what you did either, Denver. And you just took out some time and said, here, I, I want to shed some light on a guest I had on and what he meant to, you know, to your podcast and to the community as a whole. And so for, for me to acknowledge that it, it was nothing, man, it was just, it, it, it needed to be done. It should have been done. And, and I was glad that, that, uh, you were doing, um, kind of some of the same things that we were doing and trying to bring, bring light to, to Leo and, and, uh, um, to his situation. And, and he's definitely, um, definitely going to be missed by his family and friends for sure. And, and throughout the motorcycling community. So, yeah. And, you know, honestly, I mean, when it comes to, I mean, it was a great thing to do. And, you know, when it comes to credit, I mean, it was actually, you know, almost my wife's idea. She was like, Hey, you know, cause I told her about it. Cause you know, my, my family, you know, they list all the stuff. I get a lot of feedback ideas, you know, Hey, you know, they throw different ideas at me. And, you know, when I told her that day that she passed, she's like, I think it was the next day. She's like, Hey, you know, why don't you re-release this episode? Do like Memorial. And I'm like, God, you know, that is, that's a hell of an idea. And then, you know, then I thought, you know, what if I can reach out to some people gets, you know, guys that got to more interact with like uh, Dave Pabello, the owner of custom dynamics and, you know, like Dustin Thacker, we messed mm-hmm. back and forth and he asked me, he goes, Hey, can I just send it to you an email? He goes, I've thought about it over and over. He's like, I just emotionally he goes, there's no way I could do it myself whether it was over the phone he goes you know would you mind reading it i'm like hey that's not a problem and you know then we had rusty bag and a few other guys but it, it was neat to hear the other people's stories and also got to interact with him and and kind of shared that beforehand and then you know the first one became my post 39 of the veterans memorial highway yeah yeah that was great and dustin's from our podcast so yeah uh yeah dust dustin rode down to um to his memorial ride event uh, in Missouri. And, um, the irony behind that is one of Leo's and and you probably saw this, but I thought this was amazing. And I, and I told, um, the gentleman this, that did this one of Leo's friends, uh, contacted the dealership that had Leo's old road glide and it had not been sold yet. And so he contacted the dealership and said, Hey, can I come up there and grab Leo's bike and bring it down for the Memorial ride? And they were absolutely on board. So he went to Indianapolis where, where Leo had traded in the road glide for his Pan America and, and they gave him the road glide. He brought it down to Missouri and then he rode that road glide at the uh, memorial event. So both of Leo's previous bikes that everybody kind of knew him for were at his memorial ride. So his current Pan America that he was riding and his road glide brought down by one of his buddies from Indianapolis. So yeah, it, it was, it was that really yeah, it, it was really cool. And, and I, um, you know, kind of gave him a shout out on Instagram and said, you know, that was an amazing thing for you to do to um, have brought Leo's bike down and just a great, a great tribute to him and something just something that Leo would have really latched onto and really appreciated that somebody had done that and, and thought that much of him and, and uh, um, what he did to, to, uh, to bring that down and, and have all of that, you know, kind of both of his bikes in the same place. And, um, you know, that, that, uh, billiard blue road glide put a lot of miles bike. Yeah, acro- across this country. I mean, he, he drove that thing, you know, North, South, East, West, all over this country. And, and it was, you know, pretty, pretty known as, uh, as his bike. And I think that he was, he was really looking forward to, uh, the Pan America doing the same thing for him, you know? So, mm-hmm. well, the cool thing is Tiffany's keeping it. She's actually in the process. I 
I think she's got her endorsement now. She picked up a Honda CB550 that she's learning to ride and get familiar with and comfortable. And then she will be moving to the Pan American and she wants to take it around. Yeah, Tina, she posted a um, she posted a a post not too long ago. She had rode it around a parking lot. So yeah. uh, and and she had she made that post about that Honda, saying, "I wonder what Leo thinks of me riding a Honda." And then she had remembered that uh, um, remembered that he had well, his first bike that he yep. learned to ride on was a Honda. I think so, it was a Honda four hundred. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's yep. uh, it's going to come full circle, and I'm I'm glad for her because. Um, I actually mentioned this to my wife. I said, you know, I felt, I felt terrible for, for Tina in, in the respect that she, um, she was suffering two losses at the same time, not only a loss of Leo, but a separation from a community that she had become such a part of with all the miles that she'd been riding with Leo. And, um, I think that she felt this connection to a community that she really wanted to continue to be a part of. And I think that that was probably a huge motivator for her to wanting to get her license. I don't know for sure because I haven't talked to her about this, but this in my brain, I'm thinking that, you know, she, she would really have wanted to just stay a part of this community and, and start riding on her own. And, and what a great tribute to Leo, right. To start riding on her own and continue to be a part of that community that it just, you know, that really just brings you in and kind of, kind of holds on to you. And, and, uh, um, she was really going to, she's really going to be able to, uh, I, I think continue to follow, follow in some of the things he was doing in terms of, you know, being around and being at events and, and going on rides and that kind of stuff. So it'll be and her good. plan was to go down and take the riding course to rusty Bagger and have him be her instructor. And get oh her yeah. Endorsement through his class. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. So that's, you know, another little circle that it takes, you know, staying within the community of guys that, you know, we're familiar with it. And I think it's cool. I mean, you know, I got to talk to her a few times and, you know, she's a great person and, you know, another person that through this little adventure that I became friends with and built a friendship with. And, you know, it, it's an awesome community that we're all part of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I can never say enough things about that. And I think that, um, I think that the people outside of the community, I think have a much different perception of, the motorcycling community than once you get in the community. I mean, the motorcycling community is one of the most generous communities that you can be a part of uh, anywhere, right? I mean, somebody gets into an accident, people rally around and people and people help. Um, you know, somebody needs help with their family, somebody needs help with whatever, people rally around and they help. And, and it's, it's really... Um, it's really a very generous and giving community and it gives a, it gives a lot back to the people that are, that are involved, you know, on the outside, all they see is you and I Denver, they see, you know, these yeah. big hairy, you know, kind of burly, you know, scowl faced guys. And they, they make this assumption that we are a certain way and uh, little do they know what the motorcycling community is like once you get on the inside, you know? Yeah. No, you know, a very it, true point. You know, you, you buy a ticket, you pay for admission, but once you're in, you're in, you know, after that, it's, it, it's, it doesn't take a lot, right? It's kind of like that, the whole thing, right? Don't be a dick and, and everything else is going to work out. <laughs> there you go. So, well, shoot, man, the liberal, know, where can they find you and, and tag along in your adventures? Yeah. So, um, you can find me on YouTube. Kidmoto22 is, uh, my YouTube channel and, um, Kidmoto22 is also where you can find me on Instagram. And, um, then if you didn't know, I'm also one of the members of the five dirty bikers podcast. So you can go to www.fivedirtybikers.com and you can get, find links to our podcast and everything on there. So, um, there's five of us that are involved in a podcast that we put out weekly, uh, motorcycling centric podcasts, much like what, uh, Denver does. Ours is, uh, a little bit different. Um, probably, uh, there's a lot more, uh, a lot more fucks in ours. So, <laughs> <laughs> but our uh and we do that uh we put out that podcast weekly so yeah those will be probably the three the three main uh the main places that you can find me would be um all, you know like i said youtube and instagram and then um five duty bikers podcast so well perfect man right hey thanks for coming on and you know jumping on a mile post of the v-twin life absolutely man and and uh you know, for those of you, if you do follow me already or follow Denver, 
make sure that you check out what Denver's doing. Um, his podcast is is growing. It's it's great. Brings another uh, another unique take and flavor to uh, the motorcycling community. And I really appreciate everything you're doing, man. Hey, thank you, man. And like I said, you know, likewise, and enjoy watching your stuff. And now I'm slowly, you know, getting over to that YouTube side. Going to be bringing not just you know these here, but I got do got some plans for some motorcycle videos, but. Now we're going to be having also people have the option. You can go hop on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you want to stream your podcast. They come on almost a dozen different platforms and some I've never heard of that I found. But now (laughs) you have the option also, you know, watch the videos on YouTube. I'm I'm learning and growing, man. What can you say? Yeah. You know, and and it's all part of the process. You know, I, I kind of say that, that you just, you know, if if you, if you take a little bit of opportunity to up your game, just every once in a while, try something different, put something else out there. Um, you, you, you know, as long as you're having fun, you you know, do your thing, man. And that's exactly it. If you're having fun doing it, then just do it and have fun. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Denver very much, man. Yeah, man. Hey, thank you. Have fun. Ride safe, man. Enjoy those miles.